Hey guys, welcome back to the survival show manly musing segment. Of course, I'm producer Ben and before we get to Craig and his talk today, I would like to remind you to go and check out the new tiny survival guide and card. Simply go over to tinysurvivalgear.com. All right, let's get into today's manly musing segment. Hey everybody, Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Blind School, coming to you today for another Manly Musings as co-host of the Survival Show Podcast. So thanks for joining me. Today what I thought I would do is go through another book for my Manly Musings. This is probably one of the most influential books on my life outside of the Bible. So I thought it was fairly important to share some things that it taught me and uh, take it from there. I mean, this is a, an incredible text. The, the name of the text is The Frontiersman by Alan Eckert. Many of you that love history probably know of Alan Eckert's book. Let me preface what I'm going to say by making it clear that this is a, a historical narrative. This is not history. So basically what Eckert has done is taken uh, good journals, uh, good information from the past, from history, and he's woven that into a story that makes it more readable rather than just a history book. So if you're interested in particularly in frontier history, check out Alan Eckert's series. He's got several books. But The Frontiersman, the reason it's so uh, enlightening to me is that much of what happens in it happens in and around where I have been born and raised and continue to live my life now here in Kentucky. So it's a, there's just an exhaustive amount of research, and he's got uh, links to all the, I mean links, <laughs> the modern world he's got references in the back to all the different resources that he utilized and without a doubt there's a, a liberal amount of uh, creative license that's been taking taken to weave this story so uh, you can assume knowing the history some of the things but some of it you just when you read these books and you hear me read what i'm getting ready to read don't take it as a historical fact just consider it as a story and let's take it from there so again, uh, I had several passages marked, but I just don't think we have the time to read them all. I'm going to read the primary one that I wanted to get to today. And the date stamp on this particular time frame is March 9th, 1773. With the coming of nightfall, the rain had finally ceased, only now it grew colder. Jaeger had sectioned the bird so it could cook faster and was sitting in on the ramrod of his rifle when Simon suddenly stared out into the darkness at a slight noise and saw, ten years away, half a dozen Indians in a semicircle, two with guns already raising to fire. Simon blurted out a sharp warning, but it was lost in the crash of one of the guns, and Jaeger, his back to the intruders, stiffened unnaturally, dropped the spitted bird, and clawed for his back. Meet at the bear trap, Simon shouted, at the same time diving toward the darkness on his side of the fire stumbling for a moment as he lost his blanket and then dashing on into the woods. Strader leaped away in the opposite direction just as rapidly, losing his own blanket to a low broken tree branch as he reached the woods. Jaeger had no chance. He turned with one hand raised and the other covering the hole on his back where the bullet, the ball had entered. He looked puzzled and took one faltering step toward the Indians, his mouth working to say something, then crumpled to the ground as one of the Indians raced up shrieking triumphantly and buried his tomahawk to the haft in the old man's head. This much Simon saw in a swift glance over his shoulder, and then he was out of sight, running as hard as he had ever run before, stumbling as branches lashed his naked body and sharp rocks and sticks gouged his bare feet. 
Not until he had run for more than a mile did he stop and try to halt his ragged gasping to listen for pursuit. For five minutes he stood motionless against a tree trunk and then, satisfied that they were not immediately falling, slipped away in the direction of the lone bear trap in a ravine many miles away. So, a little background on the story. Uh, the three in our party, Jaeger, Strader, and Simon Kenton, were on a, a trip trapping animals for furs for trade and sale. And it had been raining, well, it had been snowing and raining off and on, but at this particular point it had been raining for several days, which is similar to the weather we've had here in Kentucky recently. And they were all around the fire drying out their clothing and getting ready for dinner and usually what would happen is that uh, your typical frontiersman would have some sort of bedroll usually some sort of blanket of of, of some maker model and uh, something they had gained in a fort at a trade or something of that nature and they would uh, put that over themselves while their clothes were drying and it was just a typical thing i mean if you spent much time outdoors then you know what it's like uh, if you're in the rain for seven days and you can't get out of it. So they basically had a half-face shelter, much like a tarp shelter that we would uh, devise in a survival training, but obviously they'd made it from natural materials, had a fire in front of it so they could gain heat from it and stuff of that nature. So that's basically the background of what's happening. Now, what we also know is that this run that Simon Kenton and Strader went on, they were totally naked. Uh, they had to run and leave their rifles behind, leave all their accoutrement behind, their hawk, their knife, their possible's bag. Everything was left behind. They didn't have any, um, any gear whatsoever. And they spent several days, and we don't know for sure, but somewhere around that week time frame, let's say, because that's what is suggested in this text, they were out running, dealing with uh, the weather, obviously, and the ability to not have any sort of of uh, shelter or anything that they could ma that they brought with them, everything had to come natural. So I think this story offers. Uh, but uh, well, when I say this story, this is this actually happened, and we know that it happened because Kitten talked about it and shared about it, and it actually affected him so deeply because he said he would never be uh, outside of arm's reach of his rifle ever again. And people have said that they never saw that again his entire life. And so it's, it's one of those things that um, as far as a tactical situation, let's say, that you know, even our modern-day warriors, are that's the way they have to live their lives. So that's why I think listening to those type of guys and, and working and doing survival in that environment is uh, vital to our understanding of learning how to deal with stuff under stress. So, um, But this story does offer a tremendous amount of stuff on – survival methodology and how it can help us and the first thing that always comes to mind when i read this because remember these guys were running around naked in weather that might be snowing might be raining for the most part okay and so it's that cold it's around that 30 lower 30s um, temperature and so basically they had to they didn't have anything and so number one they were just tough okay let's just go ahead and say it that they're tougher than the average man is today um you know, myself included, I, I don't want to pretend that I could have survived that and made it that long. Maybe I could have, maybe I couldn't. With the knowledge and training and skill that I have now, I probably would have been okay. But I must admit that just the, the mental fortitude that these people had, just living daily life, the things that they gained from living daily life is just incredible and helped them in situations like this. 
So the first thing that comes to mind is, is how hard the weather is on us. It's both an incredible mental and physical fatigue and it's something that we need to recognize and be aware of. These these guys have been running trap lines and had gotten soaked in the rain. And, and that's, again, why they had their clothes taken off and they were around the fire. And because they had uh, been working so hard, they had nonchalantly just laid their rifles and, and possibles down and all that sort of thing. And that's why you'll see a lot of photos, just for those that are history buffs, you'll see a lot of photos taken where a possible's bag is laying, you know, a possible's bag and a rifleman's pouch is laying next to the rifle. Not only does it make a good photo, but, you know, it was rare that uh, these people would spend much time without all of those with them, wherever they were. It wasn't like they would just walk around with a rifle. They would walk around with their possible's bag, their rifleman's pouch, and their rifle hawk in their belt you know that's it was there and when they set it aside for the night to lay down particularly for kenton at this point simon kenton he started from this point forward laying everything there together where it was either just grab and go in case he ever had to do it again which he actually did at a later date had to do that more than once so the second thing that i want to point out we've discussed this in a uh previous podcast when david and i were on together is this idea of fight flight or freeze okay so one of the things that these two strader and kenton did was they demonstrated the flight reflex rather uh rather well for us to as a study mechanism you know jaeger couldn't run because he was shot in the back right but uh, these two as soon as danger was noticed boom they were gone they didn't just freeze and do nothing okay you can train yourself to do that and we've discussed that in previous podcasts so look that up and make sure that uh, you're coming to an understanding of that because that is vitally important um, being able to understand fight flight or freeze how it works how to overcome it so that you can utilize it for your own survival and your own safety uh, more so in self-defense and tactical situations where you might have to utilize a firearm for self-defense or something of that nature. All that is incredibly, incredibly vital, incredibly vital for you and for me to understand how all that works. The next thing that this comes up uh, as far as a point of consideration for survival was that they had nothing. They literally had nothing at all, so they took nothing. Uh, each of them had a blanket that was wrapped around them, but they dropped it. Uh, as soon as they took off and more than likely this is some sort of wool blanket as far as what history could have been able to provide and each of them lost everything in the scramble so use this as a lesson uh, if these guys changed their ways and had stuff with them all the time moving forward then that's something that we should too you know we teach a tactical survival class with iron sight defense Rodney Van Zandt of iron sight defense and I teach it Tracy uh, uh, teaches part of it and, and the other instructors at ISD teach part of it as well but one of the things that because I've never been in the military law enforcement one of the things that was hard for me to get used to doing in over several days was literally we wore our rifles every single minute we were there and we, we pooped in them, we peed in them we slept in them, we cooked in them we did all of our survival training in our kit and so if you're not used to doing that and you think you're going to do that someday, like you're going to run off into the woods with your rifle and survive, then if you're not training to do it, you're sadly mistaken. So that's one of the things that comes out of this too is that Kenton had his rifle with him and it, it stayed on him. So that's why I'm a huge fan. If you've read my books, if you listen to anything that I say in the podcast or YouTube, there's a certain small amount of items that I think you should have on your body at all times. 
no questions asked all times and so you can check out my books for that or continue to listen to the podcast i'm sure we'll go over that again some other time um another thing that didn't come out in the section that i that i read because it was a longer section i ended up choosing not to read it as a because of time is that there was an illusion there was an illusion to it slightly in that because of the rain simon was very pleased because basically the rain would help wash away his track so it's evident that all frontiersmen from this time period were excellent trackers and that also means when you're an excellent tracker it also means that you're a pretty good counter tracker so you know what if somebody that's going to be tracking you is coming after you you know what things you should and shouldn't be doing to not leave any more sign so the first and foremost is that simon created distance he created distance between him and his and and those that were pursuing him and um it seems like a rather simple thing but that's not a real simple thing um that is more vital and just take my word for it from who it is that I get the opportunity to train with, that is incredibly valuable to to uh, to his safety was to create distance between him and those that were pursuing him and then actually utilize the rain to his advantage. So uh, the stuff that you see in Hollywood on how to evade trackers and stuff like that is mostly crap. Uh, it's just like anything else. Uh, I listened to a podcast the other day from, uh, again, I, I mentioned this last week, but Joe Rogan was interviewing a Navy SEAL, and he said he hasn't seen a movie that he thought was accurate on how things actually occur in the real world when it comes to military tactics. Uh, I'm the same way with when it comes to most of the stuff on TV, when it comes to survival and and uh, and uh, tracking in particular. I mean, the way tracking is portrayed in the movies and TV and stuff is just it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, so... And an understanding of tracking was valuable to him so that he did not get pursued and overtaken and killed. Um, so later on in the story, what you'll find is that they traveled for several days, again, almost a week, and what they were doing, and I don't know if this is part of the historical narrative or if this is something that came out of research, but it can be assumed that this is, during this time frame, about the only thing that they could find to eat in, this env- in that environment which would have been, again, this would have been in uh, around Kanawha River, uh, somewhere around south uh, southeastern Ohio, uh, n- southwestern Pennsylvania sort of area, that part of the world down in there. So one of the things that, that it is assumed that they did is they ate nuts, like your hickory nuts, your walnuts. Uh, back then, even, there were, still would have been hickory nuts that would have been available on the ground if they could have been able to find them. So that, that, is, that is absolutely uh, vital to your being able to survive when you don't have anything is being able to find food. You know, I, we teach a, a winter foraging class. I know a, a good friend of mine, that's, he's an online friend. I've never met Tim in person, Tim McWelch. He's written several fantastic survival books. Um, he, uh, he teaches a winter foraging class that, uh, that I want to go take uh, just because I'm always interested in learning from others. Uh, super guy but you need to get into some winter foraging classes or study the subject on your own check it out on youtube and stuff of that nature so uh, the biggest thing that helped these guys more than anything is their sense of direction and building being able to loss proof themselves so if you've ever read any history from this part of uh, of our american history 
you'll find that most of the frontiersmen that made a name for themselves had an innate sense for direction finding. They just could, they could create maps of rivers and creeks and streams and hills and hollers and all the stuff that go along with it that would rival what you could see on a topography map these days. I mean, they just had a, a, a vision in their head of the where creeks went and how they turned and which branch and which forked and all that stuff. And that was vital. They actually, listen to me, <laughs> they actually paid attention to their surroundings. So, yeah think about that for a second how valuable that was in this particular situation where they had no supplies whatsoever uh, one of the things that another thing that I didn't have a chance to read about is what they would do for shelter is that they would lay in overhangs and they would just huddle together and they would cover themselves up with leaves as insulators obviously putting insul uh, leaves down on the ground uh, again I've mentioned this a few times but I spent 30 days in the woods and that's basically exactly how I stayed uh, the winter I did one where the weather was warm I did another one where the weather was pretty cold and I didn't take anything with me but a knife and when I did that that was before I actually read this book so it was just kind of me doing stupid stuff on my own but um, the way I existed was basically I built I, I built a shelter in, inside of a rock overhang not a big huge rock shelter just a real small one so that my body heat could be captured inside of that and that was incredibly valuable um, a lot of people will talk about building a Dakota fire pit and you know I mean here here's what it does slightly it keeps down the light signature down ever so slightly but this is one of those things that gets put out there has been you know the end-all beat-all thing if you're a scout tracker and the way to you know you'll be able to hide from people that are trying to find you and I'm just telling you that anybody that knows anything about the wilderness is going to smell you and they're going to see that even if it's a small slight light um, you know well I can tell you right now they're not going to be able to hide from my scout tracking students uh, my scout tracking students are better than that so uh, Dakota fire pit has its usefulness but just don't think that it's going to keep you hidden. Uh, it's just one of those things that it's just it, it's made out to be something that it's not in the survival community, and it just it's just not what it's it's just not. <laughs> I mean, we've we've taught classes like this where we've we teach students how to find that. We teach students how to use their nose, how to see small light signature, how to listen. And I'm just telling you, anybody's got any amount of training from anybody that knows what they're doing in the woods is going to be able to find a Dakota fire pit. I'm just telling you. So uh, a good way of looking up ways to do direction finding, uh, make your way in the woods, is look up a guy by the name of Tristan Gooley. He's got some fantastic bo books on natural navigation, reading the woods. Uh, mine and Tracy Trimble's book is coming out mid-April. We've got two chapters in that, one chapter on reading the night sky, one in reading the uh, flora and fauna around you and using the sun and all that stuff for direction finding. So pick that up if you're interested in that subject matter so you know how to find your way. Um, and so I uh, hope, I hope, I hope this little dive into history has inspired you, uh, even if it's a small amount or a large amount, to get out and practice some things, learn how to uh, embrace the suck, go back to the podcast last week because I discussed that in depth and what that means and how to effectively build your skill set in survival 
And with all that said, we really appreciate you guys. Really appreciate everything you're doing to help support us. And uh, you're giving us great ideas for podcasts. I've got a growing list of podcasts to do. So uh, that helps me tremendously. Uh, Don't think that you're stepping on my toes. Throw me some ideas. I don't promise that I'll get them all on. But I'm going to do everything I can to get all of them on when they fit in. So check us out at thesurvivalshow.com. That website's getting ready to blow up in a fantastic way uh, i'm recording this probably two weeks out maybe by the time this is landed you might be seeing this website even more so check that out so until next time you all as always keep it simple be positive and stay sharp all right guys that wraps up today's manly musing segment hope you enjoyed it hope you learned a lot let us know what you think and don't forget you can engage with us anytime over on Patreon. Let us know how we're doing. You can give us some suggestions for our future podcasts, and you can submit questions to be answered on our full-length show. And remember, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.